And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm here, so <laughs> I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren, and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have. I don't, is that like you eat it together? Everybody tells me to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw, like. <laughs> Howdy. I'm I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) I love Oklahoma. (laughs) I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Great. Very good. I like the hat. You bro. like the hat? Yeah. <laughs> Vava, this is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlechter, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Oh, what's up, Andrew? Uh, a, sky is falling. Sky is falling, but it is a beautiful day <laughs> in is OKC. It? Yeah, you man. Well, how nice. It's great. It's been great how here. nice. You know, it would have made more sense for the sky to be falling weather-wise last week when, like, literally we didn't see the sun in Oklahoma for, like, six days. It was yeah. so depressing. But... Uh, now the sky is falling for the thunder. The uh, mm-hmm. injury mm-hmm. report came out yesterday, and it was lengthy. And Loaded. It's it'll be interesting to see who actually plays tonight, but for sure, J Dub out with the right ankle sprain. Uh, Isaiah Joe out with a sternum contusion. You could see him after yeah. the play, I, just like what? Yeah. my chest. And then Shay Dort. Chet are all questionable tonight. <laughs> so I I don't know. I mean, it, it's possible that they all play, you know, or maybe one or two of them play tonight. So we'll we'll see. But they play Denver and Jokic is questionable with some low back pain. So yeah. that could make things interesting. But also we we know weird things can happen. In games like this, you know, the Cel- I think about the Celtics game from was that last year? I think it was last year where the Thunder just destroyed the Celtics without Shea, and it was like the yeah. full squad Celtics. So you never know what's going to happen. I think a lot of people are just counting this as a loss. I think a lot of people counted that Celtics game as a loss too. So you never know what will happen, but. Um, the Thunder are... they haven't lost three in a row, Andrew. I know. They, they, need, they need to stave it off. Yeah. But, I mean, the month of January has been brutal, and you could see it on all of their faces <laughs> the other night. I mean, they, were, they just looked completely gassed. And, like, finishing out this month tonight, they had five back-to-backs this month, which is the most for any team. 11 road games, which is the most... Um, for any single month this season. And then 17, they'll have their 17th game tonight, which is the max number of games that you can have in a month. So it's it's a brutal month. A lot of it is due to the in-season tournament and the way that they had to work the schedule uh, after that. But it was a brutal month for the Thunder. And I think maybe like two other teams had 17 games this month. So it's not just the Thunder that are dealing with it, but they're one of the teams that like got hit the hardest as far as schedule goes, and you could you could see it. I mean, Chet, 
Chet looked like he had taken like five melatonin or something before the game. He just looked slower. He just he looked just completely gassed. Like he just like he just didn't have a whole lot left. And so to me, would it be the worst thing in the world if that guy got a little bit of rest? Uh, I don't think so. Um, Shea, if Shea's healthy, Shea looked really good against the Timberwolves. I thought he played well. Um, and then Dort, Dort's just kind of in a funk. I thought he played fine defensively, but just in a shooting funk. That was uh, awful the other <laughs> the other night. But um, we'll see. Thought, thoughts if, if thoughts they, on injuries? Yeah, even if they lose this game, they'd still finish this month 10-7, and seven, yeah. which all things considered, pretty good. Yeah, really pretty good. good. Yeah, um, and th- that's with you know some that awful loss to Detroit in there, mm-hmm. the the bad loss to Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Atlanta. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, ten and seven, considering how many games they had to play, all the back to backs, everything you just said, pretty good, pretty yeah. good. They've they've maintained about where they were in the standings at the beginning of the month. Mm-hmm. That's all you can really ask for. Mm-hmm. You know the, the that gap that is widening, kind of between the the top four seeds and the rest of the Western Conference, which right now is at three games. The difference between the Kings at five and the Clippers at four. You know, you you still feel pretty good about that. You know, I mm-hmm. you could see Phoenix making a run, um, but the rest of these teams, I'm not like super concerned that they're going to overtake the thunder i'm yeah. more worried about like the clippers I, I do think the clippers could be the one seed by the end of the season yeah um, if they stay healthy. so it wouldn't shock me if if okc finished fourth but that would still be a huge success yeah because i mean it'll probably be like wouldn't, 50, wouldn't 50 plus wins you know everything that comes yeah, with that yeah, yeah. you know yeah i mean it's it the, the west is still really really tough and that's just the way that it is and the Thunder still have, you know, the best point differential in the Western Conference. And, you know, once you get to February, things lighten up a lot. And they even they even have three days off before the um, before the All Star break. So they're they're gonna be like pretty well rested coming out of the All Star break. And, and it seems like Mark will be well rested now. He's not gonna have to go. You wonder if he's like silently just like fist pumping, like, yes. Like I'm not <laughs> I don't have to go <laughs> to Indianapolis <laughs> at I all. I have to imagine. Hey, by the way, did they announce uh any Thunder players for the Rising Stars yet? I see all these other yeah. teams. Yeah. Who 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 made it? Yeah, yeah. I mean who do you think made who? it? Uh was it Chet, J Dub and Kaysen? Yeah. Yeah, they okay. all three made it. Okay, cool. It was pretty cool. They did this thing yeah. where they so they they announced it yesterday at like four p.m. Central, I think, or three p.m. Central, and yeah. they they did this thing like an hour before where they put out who the rising stars were going to be, but didn't put the names out, but just put their baby pictures out. <laughs> oh man, why did I, how did I miss all this? You missed all the baby pictures, so you. Can I see. love trying to match baby pictures to their grown faces. Hey, you know it's what? So fun. Yeah. Were they really obvious? I mean, the Chet one is outrageously obvious. <laughs> yeah, and then like the K, the the J Dub one is as well. Like you can like really see it in his face. The Kaysen one, after you see it, you see it kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, those three will be in the Rising Stars. You know, having I mean, as of now, they have four four participants in the All Star Weekend, which is pretty cool. Yeah, they better they better 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 pick Isaiah Joe, huh? I mean, they better. They better do it. I mean, you think they would? I mean, they have. I mean, he wants to do it, which is he wants to do which it, which is a a challenge from year to year, just to get guys that He's want a to huge do it. Star, everyone knows Isaiah. Everyone Joe now. knows and loves Isaiah Joe. Uh, he is an NBA player, which is apparently a struggle for the uh, slam dunk contest to get. Just like yeah, NBA guys, so like just just let Isaiah Joe do it. You get a representative from the it, Thunder. It, I, I know, like in recent years, it's been more common for them to have like legit stars mm-hmm. in the three point contest. Mm-hmm. But the history of the contest is like a lot of just random shooters from around the league. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, you should always have like Steph. And the stars who are like really elite shooters, but 
I like I, I'm pretty sure like Joe Harris was it like those type of guys. Yeah. I like when like when they're in it. Yeah. So, so that's their whole deal. So the winners let's see. Since two thousand let's go back to two thousand five. <laughs> All right. Quentin Oh wow. Quentin Richardson, Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Capona won it two years in a row. That's like your classic like rando shooter mm-hmm. guy. Daquan Cook. Yeah. Oh, shut up. He's another one of those guys. Paul Pierce won it. James Jones, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving won it in 2013. Marco Bellinelli won it in 14. Mm. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, back to back, 15, 16. Uh, Eric Gordon won it in 2017. Devin Booker, 18. Joe Harris, 19. Buddy Heald, 20. Steph, 21. Towns, 22. And Lillard won it last year in his. That's uh, a nice mix. Yeah, it is a nice mix. There's a lot of there's a lot of big names. Uh, <laughs> 04 of Vashawn Leonard. It's like your classic, just like Leonard. Tim Legler won it in '96. Legs, legs, legs. Yeah. Just let Isaiah shoot it. Just let the boy shoot it. Come on. That's all we really want. Come on. That way, that'd be five. And I thought that Mark would give them a chance to have six participants, but I, I don't think it's going to happen now. Mm. Um, which is fine. Which is fine. Um, but yeah, thoughts on the the Wolves game, the Thunder loss. It was a it was a battle. It was a game where it, it's interesting that, that that game happened this week because the conversation is all about scoring. It's all about the points. It's all about you know is. Is the league out of control? Is there no defense? Is the league legislated defense out? And then you watch that game, and you're like, nope. They have not legislated defense out of the game. It was a highly physical game, hard fought, like great defense from both teams almost the whole night. Yeah, if uh, a lot of people want this to be a rivalry really bad, yeah, which they're going to they're gonna have to meet in the playoffs for that to ever happen. Yeah. But it does, it does remind me, of the OKC uh, Memphis of old, yeah, where you you have this team now. I, I think these teams are closer in talent uh, than those teams were. I mean, back then you felt going in like OKC is always going to be like the overwhelming favorite mm-hmm. against Memphis, mm-hmm. but you also knew that it was going to be uh, miserable in some ways to watch oh, it, because it was yeah, going to be so gritty and grindy. Yeah, and 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 these games kind of mirror that. Um, which is fun. Like, yeah, they lost. And uh, I, I think the end of that game was really interesting. But overall, it was a really entertaining game. Mm-hmm. Like, it, th- these teams are incredibly well-matched with each other mm-hmm. and and kind of exploit different things about each other. I mean, I think the first thing to point out is the turnovers because yeah. that has been the story in the previous three games, and it just wasn't the story on Monday night. Mm-hmm. In all of the three previous meetings, Minnesota turned it over on about 20% of their possessions. Yeah. I think the lowest was like 19.5% of their turnover percentage. And on Monday, it was 13.8%. Yeah. So there was this huge gap compared to the previous games, both in terms of turnovers, where I guess, oh, I guess there wasn't a huge gap in terms of turnovers. And then the points off of turnovers, it was a huge difference. Like in the pre- three previous games, OKC was plus 9, plus 11, plus 20 in points off of turnovers. Monday night, minus 3. So, like, if they lose that yeah. part of the game, it, it makes it just... The, the margin of error becomes really, really small yep. against a team like that. Mm-hmm. Because you know that you're going to struggle offensively. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's just kind of hard to not struggle offensively against Minnesota. They did have that one game where they kind of, like, blew them out. Yeah. And they had a great shooting night. But you look at all those other three games, two of which they won, or I guess only one of the other ones that they won, but all three of the other games were close. And you look at their like shooting accuracy, and especially in the mid-range, they they, they were just under their average oh, yeah. for the season dramatically. Yeah. And and it's it's interesting because they're actually having them that, that's where they're pushing them to take shots. Mm-hmm. Like the, Minnesota's really good at limiting rim attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, in every meeting this year, OKC has been held below their average in terms of percentage of shots at the rim. Uh, 
they do such a great job of that. And as a result, I think they take more shots in the mid range and they're just not as good because like when you are trying to shoot a mid range shot over like Jaden McDaniels or Rudy Gobert, it's just a lot tougher. And so even some of those shots where it felt like, okay, that's a shot that Shea or J-Dub might normally make. Yeah. Even on those shots, it, the, the de- degree of difficulty was a little bit higher than it would be against your average team. I yeah. just think that Minnesota, and they're the number one defense for a reason, but like they're just so well set up to try to guard OKC. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shea can still have great games. He can still be good. Like We've seen J-Dub. He can still be good. But man, they are just really tough to play and then you add in how they're guarding giddy that just makes it so much harder like it was hard for them to score offensively back when they were just guarding them straight up yeah you know with with gobert on chet Mm -hmm. and so you add this new wrinkle in and it just is it's a grind yeah like there's there's so much iso so much like having to take these tough mid-range shots and some nights they're going to make them but yeah minnesota is just a really good defensive matchup or I guess yeah. bad defensive matchup for mm-hmm. OKC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, they miss. I mean, they made forty percent of their threes, which is which yeah. is good. But also, there were just a lot of wide open shots that they just missed. That you thought, especially from Dort. Like if Dort just hits two out of six, which would feel yeah. like normal. I mean, that's that that's the game. <laughs> you know, like that ties the yeah. game. I mean, they're they didn't lose by a ton. It felt like it at the end. It felt like, oh my gosh, they just got killed. But it was really just like the last couple of minutes. I thought it were like really in this game, for the most part, despite you know having Giddy and Dort playing really poorly, and the and and rec- I credit Mark for recognizing and changing it up pretty quickly when he saw like the way that they were defending Giddy and Dort, whereas like the bigs, both their bigs were on those guys. And it was just like, boy, like that. It's really that it makes it really, really tough because then you get like the cross matching, and you and you saw it where Giddy sh- shot that floater at the rim and missed it, and then there was like this weird. It, it makes it, like the cross matching can make it tough to get back on defense because now Giddy has to like shift over, and you could tell like he was going a little bit slow, but then he ends up basically setting a screen on Dort for Ant Edwards yes. who just like yes, gets around that play who just gets around to the rim and just scores with ease and part of that is like cross matching is 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 tough in those scenarios and it wasn't long after that that Mark pulled the plug and brought in other guys to play with Dub and he pulled Chet too because Chet was just I mean Chet was not himself in that game he was missing short like he looked just exhausted he still played well you know, d- defensively at times, but offensively, it was just like he was hesitant. I was going to say, it was just like both he and Dort um, and Chet, especially in the first half. I thought Chet was like awesome defensively. Yeah, on defense, he thought, he was he was pretty good. Like he had uh, multiple like highlight plays of like swallowing guys up at the rim. Mm-hmm. That he, I, I just thought he looked really good. And then yeah, on offense, it was almost like a flashback to that first Wolves game of the season. Yeah. Where the conversation coming out of that was like, man, Chet just like looked uncomfortable. He looked a little unsure of himself mm-hmm. in terms of like how to attack Rudy. Um, now Rudy wasn't on him for a lot of this game, but it, it felt kind of similar in that he just was hesitant. I mean, right from that start, that that open three that he had, where yeah. he's just wide open and he doesn't take it. I know. And then he drives on yeah. Minnesota of all teams. It's like, like nothing good is gonna happen here. Yeah. Like there's there's too many, they're all hanging out around the rim. Just take the like shot. He, Take the yeah, shot. he has to cut that out of his yeah. uh, shot diet or yeah. put it into his shot diet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and, and then s- similar with Dort, like Dort was terrible offensively. Yeah. But he, I thought he was really good on he's, Anthony Edwards. He's and good I, on I, Ant. I went, he is good on Ant. Yeah. That is a really good matchup for him because yes. I was, as I'm yes. watching the game, I'm like, man, there just aren't that many times when Ant scored on Dort. And yeah. actually, one of the plays was the one you just mentioned where <laughs> Giddy, like, basically set a screen on Dort and mm-hmm. Ant was able to get around. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much people trust the like NBA tracking data, but they have it as when Dort was his primary defender, which was the majority of the game, mm-hmm. Ant only scored five of his points mm-hmm. against Dort. Mm-hmm. And that's how it felt re-watching that game. Like, mm-hmm. he did not have a huge game against Dort. Dort was really good. It was always when he was matched up against like J-Dub or Shea or someone else on the team 
where he was actually able to rack up his points. Yeah, I thought Dort was really good on Ant, and and that's when we start getting into like this bigger discussion of like you know guarding OKC and talking about how teams are going to lay off of Gideon Dort. I do think it's important to recognize that like Dort is bringing something, especially in a matchup like this, that's really important on the other side. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't think that even like Kaysen Wallace, who we really like, good defender. I don't think he can do what Dort does against Anthony Edwards because no. of the size difference. Yeah, he's not strong enough. Because like, I mean, there yeah. we we talked about this at the draft that he and Dort have almost like the exact same measurements as far as like height and wingspan, but just like the barrel chest that Dort has, yeah. like the strength that he has. I mean, Kaysen's going to get stronger. I mean, he's one of the youngest guys on the team, if not the youngest guy on the team right now. Um, but yeah, it's going to take some time for him to get there, and Dort. He provides he provides value no matter what, and he always has. But it makes it it makes it difficult though when it when on the other side it's yeah we don't need to worry about him at all like let it fly Dorcius let it go I man know. and and similar to yeah he's he's shooting twelve point five percent from three over his last five games yeah um, which hey that's as far as I could go back before he started shooting well so it's not like he's in like some major slump yeah but. Over these last five, it has been truly awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you just and, and we did this in their last game, like in their last game, you combined Gideon Dort's shots. Last game, it was three for eleven from three, mm-hmm. and that was like half of their three point attempts. On Monday night, it was three for thirteen. Like that is the recipe. Like mm-hmm. if you can get Gideon Dort taking thirteen threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only took thirty five overall on Monday. Mm-hmm. You know, most nights, even if one of them, like Giddy, that's the thing about that game. Like, how much more can you really ask of Giddy as a three-point shooter? Like, he shot three of seven. Three of seven. You know, like, that's great. And I know that he missed four straight, but and he started off three of three. But like at the end of the day, how much? What What are you really expecting? Yeah. When it comes to Giddy, like he's not going to go six of seven from three. Yeah. So for those guys to go three for thirteen, like I actually don't think that's out of the ordinary, and I think it's going to be hard to expect both of them to be on mm-hmm. in terms of shooters every single game. Yeah. So that's why like this putting Gobert on Giddy. I think we focus a lot on you know how it how it screws up the offense, but it, it's not just that now Gobert gets to hang around the rim. Like I do think part of Chet's struggles is that he is now having to attack someone like Jaden McDaniels, which isn't going to be the case with every team like part of the reason why minnesota is so optimized defensively is not just because gobert is this amazing rim protector it's that okay now we can ship jade mcdaniels onto chet yeah which is, is a pretty like good matchup for minnesota too because when chet is trying to drive on him it's not like he said you know a lot of times when chet is on a big center he has like a speed advantage Mm -hmm. like he can get around those guys he can Mm -hmm. when he attacks a closeout he can actually get by them and get an open look at the rim that's just not really happening with Jaden mcdaniels yeah and because he's on him chet's having no effect on gobert in terms of pulling him away from the rim and so there's just like this downstream effect of when you put gobert on giddy that just Causes a lot of problems, and I don't exactly know how you solve that in this particular matchup. I do think there are matchups like Houston, for instance, because they did the same thing, and it mm-hmm. worked out that one game. Mm-hmm. I think over a seven-game series, OKC might be able to figure that out because you're not going to be as scared about getting to the rim and having your rim attempts limited with Shengun at the rim as you are with right. at, with Gobert at the rim. You know, mm-hmm. It's just a different – it's a totally different conversation. So I, I don't know what the answer in this particular matchup. I mean, the whole time I'm watching that game, I'm thinking, what if this was game one of yeah. round two of the playoffs and this was the result? Like, what adjustments would you make as OKC? Yeah. And uh, I do think it would feel reactionary for Mark to, like, switch up the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. But then what if you had game two and something similar happened? Like, w- would he be willing at that point to change something up. And let's say you're on the road, so it's not like you're losing your home games. You're, you're down 0-2. You're coming back to OKC. You've had two games where they're guarding you this way. Like, are you, are you willing at that point to change it up? And that's where I think about it because one reason I would like to see more looks in the regular season is because 
I don't actually know what the best starting lineup against Minnesota would be. Yeah. Because there there really isn't a perfect fit. Like you're giving up something regardless of who you put in there, you know? Yeah. To to me, if I want like the optimized lineup, I would keep Dort in just to guard Ant and you just hope that he doesn't go 0 for seven in in the next game. And I would put Isaiah Joe in the game. See, but then if you do that, now you're like, I mean, the difference in rebounding between Isaiah Joe and Giddy against a team who's huge on the board. Isaiah Joe had two offensive rebounds in that game. I love Isaiah Joe. He literally had the exact same amount of rebounds that Giddy did in that game. Uh, That is is one game sample size, Andrew, over a seven-game series. Like, I do think, like, the... The difference in rebounding in three less minutes. would become a major problem. I, I, I just think that you have to if if you're gonna play this way, the the rebounding battle is already lost, especially against a team like Minnesota. I know, but you can lose it more. I, I listen. I would rather lean in to the way that the Thunder play than try to like figure out what we can do to mitigate the rebounding battle here. You know, they lost their rebounding battle 45 to 38 in a game where they decided that we would rather play two bench players more minutes than Josh Giddy in the game. And like, I'm like a, um, I'm a Josh Giddy defender. Probably people get annoyed with me with how much I'm defending <laughs> Josh Giddy. Um, but the spacing that's provided by throwing Isaiah Joe in there, especially like, in a playoff series, if you want to like tilt a playoff series, I think you have to like do something that is going to help space the floor for them and allow them to not have those cross matches. Because then you can't have Rudy or Cat on Joe. You have to put a, a guard or a wing on him. Like you absolutely have to. Yeah. And that allows yeah. them to play more straight up. That allows like the floor to be a little bit more balanced and the floor to be in a place where I think it just makes life easier for guys like Shea and Dub and even Chet, you know, because then Chet is likely to be matched up not with a wing, but with a big and like, and then that's what you want. You know what I mean? And I get, I get the rebounding stuff. I just don't, I just think that if you're the thunder, you've, you've basically like already conceded that and it needs to be like a, a team effort on the boards kind of deal. And I know that Josh is, is, they're, he's their best rebounder. He and Chet are their best rebounders. That's great. He just didn't really affect the boards all that much on Monday. And I could see I could see a world where he just doesn't affect it as much as you would want, especially in a matchup like this. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, if if you are going to go away from Giddy in any way, I I think that like this is why I keep talking about like acquiring a bigger wing you know, at the deadline. And this is what I've been talking about for weeks now. Because if you are able to get a bigger wing, it makes things a little bit easier, you know, because you watch that game and it's like, man, like who can we actually count on in these moments? <laughs> you know, it probably would have helped to have just like, what, could we just have one more guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and that's where I just think getting one more guy would be helpful because Josh, I don't think Josh, this is not like the, this would not be like the series for Josh. I think Josh is kind of like turning into this player that I think could play against certain teams where it'd be like, oh yeah, like this is a Josh series. And then there's others where it's like, oh no, like not, not the Timberwolves, you know, because of the way that they're going to match up against him. So I think, yeah, I was, I was trying to think of other teams that could do something similar because obviously any team can put their center on Giddy. Yeah. But, as I mentioned, it's not just that. Like, it's if you can put your center on Giddy and you have a, a big wing who you could put on Chet. So I'm thinking of a team like the Clippers, who mm-hmm. Zubat's pretty good rim protector. Mm-hmm. And then you could put Paul George on Chet. And I, I do think that would bother Chet to some extent. Mm-hmm. Now, do you really want to use Paul George on Chet when you could use Paul George on Dub. Shea or J Dub and then yeah. have Kawhi on Shea and J Dub. Mm-hmm. Like maybe not. But if 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 you don't do that, now you're having like Terrence Mann or 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 who who would be their fifth starter? Oh, James Harden, Harden. on Jet. I wonder if they would put Harden just because he's 
thick. He's thick, um, but he's thick. If that's that's what you would want if you're the Thunder, though. Yeah, the the problem with the Clippers, like I, one, I think they would definitely do that the entire series because Ty Lue, um, yeah, I mean he kind of perfected that a lot of that. Um, I think that they're what scares me about them is the other side though like what they can do offensively yeah. and m- maybe that goes back to you being more comfortable with Isaiah Joe against the Timberwolves it's almost like okay we we have to try to get we have to make up some of this ground offensively yeah and we feel more comfortable doing that because Minnesota isn't this great offensive team like we feel like we can survive against them because we don't feel like they're going to be lighting up the scoreboard in the way that a team like the Clippers probably are mm-hmm. night to night mm-hmm yeah, and and if you had Joe in that lineup, what happens? Like they just they don't want Shea and Dub and Chet to be the guys to take the shots. They want the other guys to be able to take the shots, right? And if it is Isaiah, Joe, I mean Isaiah Joe had one three the other night. He had one. Like, he needs to he have it. five, six, seven three point attempts. You know, per game. yeah, that that is pretty stark. That he only took two shots, and yeah. they were a plus sixteen in those sixteen minutes. Yeah, he he just provides the spacing that you need, and like that's what you that's what you need against Minnesota. It's like you need some way to get them out of the paint to spread to spread that defense out. Because what happens is like they just like great, we're gonna have basically four guys that are just gonna be. You know, tap, waiting for tapping, Shea tapping in and out of the paint the entire possession, waiting for yeah. Shea and Dub to get to their spots. And they say, like, whatever, Giddy, whatever, Jordan, do your thing. And if you can counter that with just, like, one, like, lights-out three-point shooter, I think it shifts everything back to the to the way that you want it. Uh, it's, a, it's a, such an interesting matchup. Like, it's a really tough matchup for the Thunder. And I think this is... I think you just need to play more shooters. Even Wiggins, you know, Wiggs was really good <clears throat> against yeah, great. against the Wolves. I mean, that's another guy that I would consider playing as a starter. Also yeah. took one three. Only took one three. You know, Kenrich. Kenrich. I think they're more willing to leave open than those two guys. And Kenrich had five threes, and he made two of them. Yeah, Kenrich is another guy that I think you consider there <clears throat> as like the starter that would bring a little bit more muscle to the table. So I think there's a lot of different directions you could go with it, but I do think that if you know, if they did play them in a playoff series that this would it would be a tough giddy series. And I I think I think you just have to kind of think of things in that way if you're the Thunder. And I don't I don't like you said game 1 they're likely going to give the benefit of the doubt to Josh and and make him you know, make the other team prove that you can't play him, and and if they do, then I think you have to adjust. And I think that's those are the these are the things that we haven't seen yet from Mark, and that we haven't seen yet from this team because they haven't played in a playoff series and they haven't been forced yeah. to adjust in a in a major way, regular season wise. Like you, you don't need to change the starting lineup. You just need to keep playing it and see what adjustments you can make. And, and Mark does make adjustments in-game. I mean, we see, you know, Josh's minutes, you know, go up and down all around. Like, we see that happening. Well, I mean, the probably the biggest swing in that game was the first two minutes of the fourth quarter mm-hmm. where I think the Thunder were a minus nine in two minutes. And <sighs> he had put Giddy back in at the beginning of that and took him out, like, within two minutes. Yeah. And, well, no, and no. they'd gone. I, th- I think they went to the fourth up, and then they were down by you know like six or seven or whatever it was. Yeah, they were up four. And then we're fighting back. Yeah, they're up four. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. they were up four. And then when let's see, where does Shea checked in at like the nine? Was it nine forty five mark? They were so they were up four. Then they were down five at yeah. at the nine forty five mark, and that and that was early. I mean, usually yeah. Shea does not enter the game until like we get closer to like the six, seven minute mark, and he was like, "Nope, <laughs> this is not this is not the game for Josh." And let's let's. I mean, pull. that was just that was just a killer swing. I mean, yeah. nine point swing in two minutes. Yeah. After they played so well in the second half of that third quarter, they did. They were so good. 
I thought they were and gonna, like everything yeah. was flowing. Like Wiggins was playing a lot of those minutes. Isaiah Joe was playing a lot of those minutes. Yep. And everything just looks so much easier mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And even at the end of the game, like I, I, I give the Timberwolves credit because uh, I, I was on Dane Moore's podcast. He was talking about how like their end of game play has been, you know, not amazing. It's, mm-hmm. it's been like one of the things you would look at. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we saw in that last game where OKC was able to close it out on the road. So you have to give Minnesota some credit. But at the same time, I didn't hate the shots that the Thunder got there at the end. Now, I would have liked Shea to get more shots because I think he didn't take a shot from like the two-and-a-half-minute mark until there was the game was basically over with like 10 seconds left. But, you know, they got... And all these were contested for the most part. I think J-Dubs was probably the most open. But like mm-hmm. the three from Chet in the corner, J-Dub took... Uh, an above the break three, and then Kenridge yeah. took an above the break three. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of those were bad shots. Um, and that so dub, that dub actually, shot was was going to be a big one if it went in. Like I think they yeah. had a, a legit chance to win the game, and that's you know. So even then, it I I I didn't watch that being like okay, they they like couldn't solve the Minnesota defense. Yeah, like I totally. thought they got good enough shots there at the end. They just didn't make them. Yeah. Um, Minnesota took care of business on the other end, though, and they were just like, as they eventually started to extend that lead, it just felt like, okay, like this is over. Yeah. But I I don't know. I I really feel like that beginning of the fourth quarter is where that game just flipped because they played pretty evenly the rest of the time. Yeah. And that nine point swing was just massive. Yeah. It was Towns got to the line, hit his two free throws. Nikhil Alexander Walker hit a three. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin hit a three. He made all of his shots. <laughs> he was, and the Thunder were just kind of like daring him to be the guy to beat him, and he was awesome. Um, yeah. And then uh, Towns hit a three, and then it was like okay, like time time for Shay to come back in. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a it was rough. It was a really rough start to the fourth where things changed very very quickly but yeah you're right i mean it it feels like we're talking about this game as if it were a playoff game you know because it like it it felt like oh my gosh i can't believe they lost it's because we've played them so much it's like game four you know yeah now we're we're tied up two two right it does feel it does feel that way and they only lost by six you know there's a chance that they that they you know just it was just a few shots it was just like yeah dort not being Oh for seven, you know, just having a normal night away from being the team that was on top. When I was talking to Dane, uh, you know, the premise of that episode was like, why is OKC such a tough matchup for Minnesota? But then at the end of the episode, he was <laughs> we were both saying, like, this could totally flip, like do a 180. Because I mean, OKC easily could have lost that previous game in Minnesota where they made the comeback. And at that point, we would probably be talking about this matchup completely differently. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we got that one blowout win, but we lost all these other three really close. So it it does feel like we've done a 180 and that now it feels like a tough matchup for OKC mm-hmm. because of the way they were guarding the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Because outside of that, I still like feel pretty solid about this matchup. Yeah. But that that new wrinkle, it does cause a lot of issues. And and to Giddy's credit, like it didn't cause a ton of issues at the beginning of that game. Like mm-hmm. they were pretty good in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Yes, if if he makes a hundred percent of his threes, like <laughs> things are things are going to work out. It's going to you know, be when awesome. He starts off three for three. Yeah, like if he starts off three for three, they're going to be able to survive those minutes no yeah. matter what. Yeah, but it's just you know night to night in the playoffs, you just can't bank on that. And what was important about that game is even when you did get that, it did not change the way they played at all. Yeah. Like I, I think of like Hackashack, mm-hmm. where when you foul a guy, usually if he makes like his first four free throws, mm-hmm. they kind of stop doing it. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, this obviously isn't worth it. With Giddy, when he made that third three, I was like, okay, like are they gonna change up or anything? And nope. they really didn't. No, nope. they just kept playing, and eventually he started bricking. And then by the end of the game, it like all paid off for them mm-hmm. because even though it didn't work out amazing for them in that first quarter every other stint that he was in because in fact that first quarter they would have been up when he left at when he left 
and he ends up a minus 17. Mm-hmm. Like th- that's pretty amazing. So those other two stints that he was in the game, two or three stints, like they just got killed yeah. in those minutes. Well, the minus because nine once he's getting of the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. The minus nine. Yeah. Cause once he's not hitting those threes and went, you know, Oh, four, Oh, for four. Um, it just it just messes everything up, and then and then when he's missing those threes, then you start to notice how it's affecting like the other shots that they're getting, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, I I don't I don't know if there's definitely a solution. I mean, I saw, I saw some people saying like, why don't you put him in the dunker spot? Like, put him in the dunker spot. Like, Gobert doesn't have to do anything now. Like, he can say, just hang now, out right there. I was say now, Gobert can like you have absolutely neutralized. Yeah. Josh completely at that point where at least if he's on the perimeter, he at least has the chance to make a jumper or can make a play. But if you put him in the dunker spot, I mean, they're just going to destroy him. <laughs> yeah. The, the one play and you already mentioned it. There was like, Oh, okay. Here's something is that play where he went into the middle of the paint and they pass it to him and mm-hmm. he shot that floater over Gobert. Yeah. It was like, okay, they're getting him into some different space. Yeah. You know, let, let's just like try to challenge them in other ways. Yeah. He missed the shot. Mm-hmm. But like that, w- that was the only time where it felt like he's not just standing on the perimeter waiting yeah. to take some three. Yeah. It's it's a difficult situation. And I think Josh and for the, Josh for the most part is in a difficult situation for him because he's having to learn how to be an off ball player. You know? Well, that that that's like the crux of this issue. Yeah. Is like we saw what player Josh was in his rookie season and his second season. Yeah. Like we saw what kind of archetype he is. Yeah. Or that he would be in the NBA is not anything close. There was to what literally he's a press right conference where Chase, you know, we talked about how like it's not my yeah. plan A because it's like, right. hey, Josh, this is what Josh is really good at. And, and I, we were all for it at the time because we were like, yeah, if you're going to maximize this guy, you have to put the ball in his it. hands. This is how you do it. And let him direct things. Yep. And we are so far removed from that that now it's like we're we're almost playing him as like a three and D player, like, like yeah. which he doesn't really offer either of those, right? I because you don't really see the playmaking. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, um, and of course this is just from some hater account. It was it was Brick Muse, but they had like this compilation of Josh Giddy passes, and everyone was making fun of it. It was all these passes that were you know not good passes, but what stood out to me about that video was how those were all the passes that he was getting to make in his rookie season that were leading to all these highlight plays. And man, you see it now, like teams are ready for Giddy's passes. Like when he tries to throw those cross court passes, mm-hmm. it feels like half of the time now someone is waiting to pick it off mm-hmm. because they've scouted him so much better than they had his rookie season. And so many of those flashy passes are now turnovers, yeah. Um, in a way that they weren't his his rookie season, yeah. Where it was really like, whoa, where'd that come from? I didn't even know he was looking at that guy. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of them in that Wolves game where they just got picked off and it was going the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a it has been a challenging season for Josh in almost every way, you know. And a lot of it, you know, on the court is like not. Not truly his fault, you know, that he doesn't fit with with the way that he's having to play. You know, it's not – that's not the way that his game is. And so you just – I don't know. I think he's making the best of a difficult situation for him and has had good games. Like, I thought he played well against the Pelicans, you know. Well, and that's the thing. Like, and we've said this before, like, when he was at his absolute worst, when he was – truly terrible towards the beginning of the season like in December the team was still good they were still winning games yeah and when he started playing better they went on like one of their best runs of the season Mm -hmm. and they were everyone was talking about that was when we were having the contender conversation yep so like this really isn't a regular season thing yeah Um, like they can survive they can they they could play this starting lineup the rest of the season and probably still end up as a home court advantage team yeah, like it's it's not that kind of an issue. It is specifically when you start talking about what are teams going to do in the playoffs and how is OKC going to respond? Because I do think the majority of teams are going to play this way, mm-hmm. even if they don't have the optimized defensive lineup to do it. Because the trade offs are just worth it. Like mm-hmm. if if you can keep more guys in the paint 
to fend off J-Dub and Shay, it's it's worth it, no matter what the other consequences are. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that, and that's one of the reasons why I would like to see them try other starting lineups in the regular season, mm-hmm. just to see what it looks like against more, to, to get more minutes against first units of other teams. Yeah. Because we really just have zero data on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you you felt strongly about Joe, but you know there might be games or there might be matchups where like Kenrich would make more sense, or maybe Wiggins, or maybe even someone like Jay Will, who in his fourteen or sixteen minutes, I thought he was like pretty solid. His, his I thought Jay was great. Yeah, the his box, box score, score doesn't jump out at you, but like in the yeah. moment, I thought he was pretty impactful. Yeah, yeah, Jay Will was awesome. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at like the lineup data. You know, on cleaning the glass. That starting lineup still like a plus six point seven, which is like yeah, it's good, not great. It's know? good, and you also don't know. <laughs> Half of that might be the Portland game. Um, I mean, it's a thousand but, yeah. minutes though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, you have the good and the bad all mixed in there. I mean, that's that's what happens over the course of an NBA season, and the and the team overall is still a plus five with Josh on. You know. and, and that's the thing, like it's not going to show up there in the same way that like when the Grizzlies with Tony Allen, like those were probably yeah. really great lineups in the regular season too. And then they get to the playoffs and play Gold State, who in my memory is like the first team that like really played this way where they just completely ignored a player. Mm-hmm. And it just threw the Grizzlies for a complete loop. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just completely threw them off their game. And that was a guy who's giving you a ton of on the other end, like yeah. all defense on the other end. And it still just completely wrecked a team that already wasn't amazing offensively. It, it made them like truly putrid on offense. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the in-season stats, like I think they're going to continue to look great. They're going to continue to look good throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, it's just, what do you do in the playoffs? If you have a game like this and, and this is the result, like, do you just keep going back to it or do we see his minutes or, or do we see like kind of what we saw in this game, which is you start him, but then very quick trigger the rest yeah. of the game? Well, I, I think you, to, to me, you look back to stuff they did with Canner, even, you know, yeah, like there were NS Canner series and there were series where it was like, nope, <laughs> can't do it. You know, yeah, I think it's, probably something like that where they did like change the starting lineup and it was like a different coaching staff, different team, all of that. I, I get it, but it's still like the same organization, you know, where Kenner started against the the Spurs against like one of like the remember like the Spurs were like one of the best teams ever <laughs> that season, the regular season. They were amazing and the Thunder beat them. Um, and they played two bigs the whole time. And, I think there will be series where it's like, yeah, the Thunder need Josh. They need his passing, his IQ, his rebounding, you know, his ability to create and transition. They need that. And then if they did play the Timberwolves in round two or something, I think that you would have to turn to Kenrich more. I think you'd have to turn to Wiggins more. Or you'd have to turn to Isaiah Joe more. And I think you, I mean, to me, I think you would change the starting lineup because you can't afford to just like start games in the hole or just start games just with a hope and a prayer that Josh is going to make his threes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's, that's really where it ends up. It's like, you know, we obviously all love watching this team. This has been an, an amazing season amazing so far. Season. Yeah. You don't want it to come down to giddy and Dort's three point shooting. Yeah. And in some respects, it's probably going to come down to, or it's probably going to be impacted by at least one of those guys, three point shooting because, yeah. We feel like you know they're going to play Dort, and if Dort doesn't have a good series, like yeah, that that could happen. But mm-hmm. there's just the 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 top three guys, and and more recently like Shea and J Dub, what they've been doing, they've just been so good. You just want to see that optimized, and you don't want to lose it to something like you know Dort shooting uh, or Giddy shooting. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, like that's that's the point of like that's the point of game planning for OKC is to yeah. remove all those things that we love so much and that are good and mm-hmm. to give us the things that we hate the most. That's things that we don't want to see, the, like Dorton Giddy taking 13 threes in a game. That's the playoffs, man. Like, that's the playoffs. It's like, hey, the other team is doing whatever they can to make you do the thing you don't want to do. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's what the playoffs is. And I... 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Man, I just I love having this conversation because it means that there's like a really good team in Oklahoma City again. Because we can talk about the games and like how much the games matter and how much, you know, rotations and tactics and all of that. I mean, this it's a it's amazing that we're at this point already where we can talk about this. I mean, you know, it feels bad right now. And, you know, this is one of those moments, like you said at the beginning of the show, where like the sky falls on every team, you know, twice a year, whatever, you know, Pressy said you know, two or three times a year. Like, this is definitely one of those times. But like, you can also step back for a second and see, you know, they're 32 and 15, 7.9 net rating. You know, one of, like, that's the second, still second best in the NBA. You know, there's only four teams that have a plus six net rating. Knicks, Sixers, Thunder, Celtics are the only teams. You know, they're still fourth in defense overall, fifth in offense. I mean, it's, it's been an incredible season. And, like, still all the stats point to that this is a one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, they're going <clears> to <throat> – they'll have a chance next week to, to do something. I don't know for sure that they'll make a move. I, I, I don't have any, like, sourcing or knowledge about, you know, what they could, you know, do or what they're going to do. But I just have, like, a, a feeling that this Bertans contract is – I mean, it's very movable. It's something that probably some teams, especially teams, you know, trying to duck the tax or the apron, you know, it would help them do that. And you could get just just like I've been saying, like the one one more guy, and it doesn't necessarily have to be some guy that's going to come in and play twenty five minutes a game. 
But I, I would be a little surprised if they kind of let this Bertons contract just expire and not use it. And so I, I just have a feeling that perhaps they'll do that. And Mike Scotto, shouts to Mike Scotto, put out a piece this morning. And the team that, that we all talk about all the time is the Brooklyn Nets, being a team that has a lot of role players that teams could use. And he did note that, I'm sorry, sorry to even say this on the pod at 405 fan on Twitter that Nick Claxton is somebody that at least they're saying they want to hang on to and pay this summer. So like that's a that's like a thunder target that you know a lot of fans have circled and it looks like they're going to try to hang on to him, but they did say that a guy like Royce O'Neal could be had for you know second round picks and then he said Dorian Finney-Smith for a rotation player and a first. Which, I don't know exactly what they mean with a rotation player. Like, what is that? It's, it's a very vague... I mean, Poku could be in a rotation. You could rotate him if you want to. <laughs> um, and a first. And, like, the more that I watch of, like, this year's draft, the more I'm just like, hey, man, go ahead and hit the eject button on another one of these picks. <laughs> From, yeah, from yeah. from this draft, I just I don't think you, I I wouldn't want to have multiple picks in this draft necessarily. Um, yeah, and and even though it is a bad draft, you do feel like there should be teams who would just like to have a pick because so many of these picks are controlled by just a handful of teams. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I'm just looking through right now. Like Indiana doesn't have a pick. Uh, Dallas is likely not going to have their pick. Yeah, uh, the Clippers obviously won't have a pick, and some of these teams, especially the ones who are like hitting up against or who will be hitting up against that second apron mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, even in a bad draft, it would be nice to have a young, cheap, controllable contract. Mm-hmm. Lakers aren't going to have their pick, uh, so there are teams, Golden State, who I think could use a pick. Yeah. Well, even in a bad draft. And they're they're going to be good players in this draft. They're going to be guys yeah. that help. And I think that there are genuinely going to be top ten picks in this draft that they get to camp and you're like, oh no. <laughs> like, like these guys cannot play. You know? I think there is there's going to be some of that with this draft. That there's gonna be lottery picks. That they're going to get to camp and right away it's going to be like, oh boy, oh boy. But you know, and I guess if you are the Thunder of of all the teams in the league, like you know, the Thunder are going to put in the work to find like who these guys are. And right now they would have the twelfth and the fourteenth picks. Uh, now it's thirteen, Andrew. It well, 13 it'd be now? it'd be a it'd be a coin flip. Oh, coin! Oh gosh, coin flip. Thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm glad I don't have to actually care about the coin flip. <laughs> yeah. This year. I mean, I I think it is setting up pretty nice for them because on the one hand, the Clippers are better, so like that pick can be a truly a throwaway pick. Like you know, it's going to be at the end of the first round. Yeah. That's probably going to be like twenty five or later. Yeah. Right now, right now the Clippers pick is twenty five. OKC's is twenty six. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that's nice is that the Houston and Utah picks are kind of kind of settling into that late lottery range, mm-hmm. and so even in a bad draft, you would think those would have some decent value on the market because the Houston pick, especially. I mean, we'll see what they do next week, but that feels like it's going to be like between probably ten and fourteen. Yeah. Um and then Utah they they've been on a little skid recently. Uh but that kind of feels like that might convey as well as a late lottery pick. Mm-hmm. So even in a bad draft I would be I would be fine if they traded like one of those picks and the Clippers pick to do something. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. And they could even I mean they could do it at the draft too, you know. Yeah. So and that's two firsts. That's two firsts. A lot of people are talking about two firsts. You can go get Alex Crusoe, I bet, for that. You could. Two firsts. I want a bigger guy, though. I want a big wing. Dude, Alex Crusoe can guard anyone, Andrew. He was guarding uh, freaking KD. Sure. And and looking pretty good. Yeah. 
Crusoe's fine. I just don't want another like low volume shooter though. Well, he'd be high volume here because the other teams would force him to shoot. You feel comfortable with that? With Caruso shooting? Mm -hmm. I mean, more than any of these other guys we're talking about. (laughs) I mean, mean, obviously he's having a great season, but he's had like good seasons from three. Yeah. His last season, Lakerland, 40%. Then he shot 33% first season in Chicago, then Mm -hmm. 36%, and now 41% Mm -hmm. on his highest volume of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's taking 4.43s per game. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. But, I mean, he's he's straight up better than Dort. He would be an upgrade on Lou Dort today. Right um, now. He would be, Andrew. Don't say he wouldn't be. I don't know. He would know. be. I don't know. He's a better player than Dort. He's a good player. He's better than Giddy. He's, he's better than Giddy. Better than um, Giddy. Only three rebounds a game, though. Um, that's true. He's not a big bounder, and he's and he's just not, not very big. That's where I, I feel a little bit. T- to me, like I just don't really it doesn't w- matter. Wouldn't really want to acquire any more small guards. But he's not. He's not. He's not. He doesn't play small. He is small though. Like yeah, you can't put him on like Zion. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> we need a Zion stopper. <laughs> Get me Alex I Caruso. Has, I think he has more versatility than you're giving him credit for. Probably so. That's probably true. But I just that nah, wouldn't that wouldn't be the that wouldn't be the guy for me. You're gonna you're gonna be eating some crow next week when they trade for him. Bring him back reunion. Dude, I'll be so excited if they trade for him. <laughs> but like, also, I just bring don't. back. Uh, Blue Legend, yeah, Alex Caruso, yeah, I, I can't believe Bald Mamba. They let him Caruso slip through their slip through their fingers. Alex Caruso. Yeah. Um, anything else? Any other scuttlebutt that is exciting you? There's not, uh, there's not a whole lot going no. on out there right now. None of the names that are like none of the big names I think matter in any real way. Yeah. I mean, it, it'd be cool to get like a uh, Zach Levine trade, Dejounte trade. Yeah, I just don't think those guys are are changing the fortunes of any of the teams that are being talked about with them. No, um, we think about LeBron's hourglass tweet. What what was his hourglass tweet? I didn't even see it. Oh my gosh! So LeBron just tweeted an hour. Just tweeted. I mean, not not now, oh but gosh. he only tweeted. He tweeted Eight with hours. just the emoji. Of the hourglass. Hmm. So does it mean time is running up for for him? Like, oh, my time is running thin. I'm old. Oh, my gosh. When you do a thumbs up, it gives you a thumbs up here on StreamYard. Do you see that? You know, I started. Nope. Let's see it. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. You got to hold it. You got to hold it. Um, maybe your thumb is too long for them to recognize it as a thumb. This is why you have to subscribe to our YouTube channel right now. I like. Does it mean that his time's running up? That trade deadline's coming, so time's running up. You got to make a trade, or my time with the Lakers is almost. Oh, up. and that's your real trade target. That's your real. Bron at the four, Chet at the five. I mean, it'll never, ever, 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 ever happen. Like they're not going to trade for a thirty-nine-year-old. But, but would it be cool? But, but would it be cool? <laughs> yes. What would it take to get LeBron just as a like fun throwaway stupid activity that will never ever happen? Well, at that point they're going to be rebuilding um so they they're going to want to be clearing cap space and they're going to be wanting to collect tradable assets that they can then flip to go grab other guys. Mm-hmm. So just give them you probably take at least 5 picks. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking and, too. And he's he's an expiring too, right? I know. So this is insane. I know. But yeah, probably insane. five picks. Uh, you can give him Giddy. Um, you can give him uh, <laughs> Bertons. You, you actually have to give them Bertons. I was going to say you have, have to, to give do... them Dort too. Yeah. Just to make the money work. Yeah. So yeah, Dort, Bertons, Giddy, and then throw him Poku in there. I think Lakerland would love him. Toss a Poku in there. Yeah. Uh, Trey Man. Trey Man. <laughs> Us, you think Us is going to start tonight? Ooh, who will start tonight? Let's say, let's say, 
that all the guys that are listed on the injury report are out. Yeah. What would be your starting lineup? Um, so, I mean, Josh is going to be the starter. Giddy. Um, Giddy at point. Point Giddy. That's, yeah. the, that's the thing that we, we'll get to see more tonight is more Josh Giddy at point card. Did you say Chet would be out too? So this is Chet, Shea, J-Dub, and Dort. Everybody, so guys, right? yeah, everybody basically okay. but Giddy. <laughs> All right. Wiggins. Giddy. Wiggins. Wiggins. Uh, is it Joe's out? Um, man, you almost have to play. <laughs> no, no, um, no, no, no. You, I mean, you, have, you might, you probably have to play him, but I don't think you have to start him. So, okay, so Giddy, Giddy Jason Wallace, yeah, uh, Wiggins, Wiggins. That's my one, two, three, and then I'll probably do Jay Will. Uh, if 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 Jokic plays, Jay Will. Yeah. If Jokic does not play, Kenrich at the five. Yeah, and then. Um, yes, I'm putting Oos because I need him to pl- start five games this year to get my <laughs> bold prediction correct. So <laughs> Oos is going to be the starter. I might throw for me. I might throw Vava in there just just to spice. Whoa! It, just to spice Wait, why would you? Up. No, Vava and Giddy. That's a bad combo. Man, they'll be throwing the ball around like crazy. Combo. Yeah, that's all they'll be doing. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah. No, he's got to be our backup point. Yeah, has um, to be. it'll be interesting to see. My, I mean, Shea, Dort, and Chet could still all play tonight, you know. Right. And if they do, then it's like still, you know, even if Jokic plays, I mean, it's still a game, you know. You know, anything, any, anytime Shea's in the game, Shea, Shea was so impressive. I think that's something that maybe even will get a little bit lost because they lost the game and it's kind of ugly at the end. But Shea was incredible in that game. The there was one play in particular, and he's been he does this against uh, Jaden McDaniels, and we'll do it against guys that are a little bit bigger than him. Is that he stays so low, like keeps his dribble so low, keeps his body so low. And I, I need to like clip. I need to go clip this because it was incredible. But he just kind of slithered through the paint, you know, like almost almost as low as he could possibly get, and then just like popped up at the rim and like made a made a, a layup. It was just like man. Like there's not hardly any guys in the league that could do what he did on that play. He was incredible. He's incredible. Um, trade deadline next week. Scuttlebutt pod next Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, and uh, appreciate you guys listening. Be sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel if you're listening to this. Just on the podcast app, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hope you guys have an awesome day. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.